You're listening to The Midday Grind with Martin Kilcoin and Charlie Marlowe on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. Midday grind, coveted hour, 590 the fan, 1 o'clock brings you 590 baseball. Hewer, Rammer breaking it down, head into this uh, Cardinal weekend. And again, mentioned it earlier that the Blues have the draft tonight, NHL draft. I know Strick will preview that. I think Bill Armstrong, who is no re- no relation to Doug Armstrong, but sort of runs the Blues draft. They're going to, I think Bill Armstrong's on the show four to five today. Strick will break it down. He's actually covering the draft from vancouver we're blowing out the budget this summer with coverage strick at the draft four to five it's hockey sense the cam jansen show today rock would probably know two to four sound right no hard line to her it's cam jansen. something will be on between cam two jansen, and four so, uh, hard line will be two to four after the of course the baseball show takes up the two and then it will be um any strickland live from schneidhorse from four to five and then cam jansen's show will be live from newsteaders over on De pair from five to six okay there it is there's the i feel like kramer when he ran movie phone for a while and he would just answer the phone Dorty ferry my bad not De pair he would answer yeah it's probably the greater baldwin area greater baldwin area off Dorty ferry but remember kramer would just answer when people were, why don't you just tell me what movie you want to see mm-hmm. that i end up doing that with rock i and then coming up later, why don't you just tell me the rundown? All right, text line 855-282-8255. We'll go back to 12 o'clock, and we'll catch up on all the texts. Charlie's vacation from mailing it in from what again? Father's Day? Flag Day? Basically saying I shouldn't get vacations Correct. because my life is a vacation. And that's that's probably fair. Carlos Danger says Mag Sierra wouldn't have gotten picked off. He would have scored. Ooh. That's from Captain White Teeth. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> The Marlins are on scholarship. Teu saying, "Hey, don't don't take the Marlins lightly." Uh, the well, they are twenty under going yeah, into last night's game. I think that's fair. The recovering alcoholic says, "Wait, Marty, no text is going to read some text. No way." Yes. Good seeing you at O and O. Is that Olive and Oak? Olive and oh, Oak. Okay. Big timer over here yep. last Saturday night with the off uh, big man. Yep, hanging with off. In fact, while we were there, Mike Colombo and his fiance, fiance yes. girlfriend. Walked in. We had a great meal at Olive and Oak last Saturday. Emily. We were hanging out with Matt Offenberg. His buddy Chris is the recovering alcoholic from Belleville who texted into the show. He has labeled me Marty No Text. We had a great time. Uh, let's see. 314. I saw Chuck on the two Fox sporting the no sock look. I do that often during the summer, and I will not apologize for that. Martin and Charlie will not read text. Take that I disagree. to I, the bank. I disagree. And Scott's wrinkled sack says, Charlie, you were much cooler when you've made references to drinking Jack Daniels in the past, but getting on board with drinking 55s really has me concerned. Hurry up and grow a beard or something to regain your man card. Correct. That that may or may not have been discussed off air. Worried about Chuck, his drinking habits. But he's going all beer for Look the at summer. This guy over You're here. leaning out, aren't you? First of all, first of all, I was off the last couple of days from yeah. TV. I had really productive, a lot of yard work, a lot of housework. I mean, seriously, cleaning the garage, that's a major, major... That's a major task. Do you find and a lot of stuff that. that you didn't know you even had? Oh, yeah. Maybe there's some fertilizer from two summers ago that you never finished the bag. And it made me think you should always clean your garage 
on garbage night. You know, when garbage is the next day because you find so many things, as you said, you want to throw away. So now I have all these things I'm ready to throw away for Monday. So Chuck has got the garage cleaned out, ready to go. He's got the opportunity to work this weekend. I think you'll see him on the two Fox on Saturday. Again, weather permitting, I'm not sure what the forecast, Charlie's kind of the weather expert here, but it's still, still raining heavily here in Kirkwood. All right, so we mentioned the draft loosely, and I know you're, Rocky was really into it, Chuck's sort of into it, eh. and I tweeted out, and I wasn't even being facetious, because they bring these guys up there, and they give them the hat, and like, hey, welcome to the Grizzlies, welcome to the Nuggets, and then a minute later, they're saying, okay, those rights have been traded, he was actually drafted on behalf of the Timberwolves, who made a deal for next year's second round pick, so he's actually, he just gets interviewed, what does it mean to be on the Nuggets? Oh, I can't wait. I got family in Denver. And then within two minutes, uh, his draft rights have been swapped. And then later, with cash considerations, I'm not even embellishing. It's almost ridiculous to give these guys the hat. There's so much wheeling and dealing. It's part of the NBA. It's fine. But I think it diminishes the draft a little bit because you can't, as a fan, all right, we got so-and-so. What's oh, we already traded him? Okay, we've had him for two minutes. Yep. Oh, they're trading him again. It's a little bit disjointed i have to say i'm gonna go oppo here and i'm interested to see our nba expert matt rocchio how he thinks now i don't know if this if this means anything but i feel like the nba off season so i'm including draft and free agency is by far the most interesting and if you kind of compare that to baseball and i love baseball it's my favorite sport but i feel like their off season is the most boring and when you have to hear about Harper and Machado for months and months and months, and they they don't even sign, they're two of the best players in baseball, till basically spring training has started. Rocky, what do you think? Because I feel like the NBA keeps your attention 365 days a year because the draft is always interesting with the trades, and free agency is always just something you really want to pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, I agree with both of you though. That's true, but I just wish that they would just have either either move up this, you know, the start of your, you know, like league year from July sixth to you know, June thirtieth, or, or or the day before the draft, or whatever it's going to be, or move the draft back by ten days so that it lines up to when you have your new league year, so that all these trades aren't official until July sixth. And so, like Frank, uh, so like Martin was saying, all of a sudden you're putting these guys up in a hat that they're two teams away from now. You know, there was a guy who got who, who was so silly. Uh, he was on the Hawks, but he was he was on the Hawks via the Pelicans from the Lakers, but he put on a Lakers hat. There's two <laughs> other hats he has to go through, and, and neither and, and that's that's preposterous. It's ridiculous. Get him the right hat. Let's let let's let him talk about how he's going to get to play with. Trey Young and John Collins instead of being like, so the Lakers, right? But isn't there Give a three hats picture, like NASCAR? Isn't there a funny. famous picture of Eli Manning sheepishly with a frown on his face holding up the San Diego Chargers jersey because he knew he was getting traded yeah. immediately? I think that happens. Well, not in baseball. It doesn't happen you really in football anymore, though. Well, baseball, you mostly, can't trade the picks. Mostly right? in NBA. Yeah, it, it only happens in the NBA, and it's literally only because every, almost every single trade last night wasn't official until July 7th or July 6th. There were a few that were official the day of because it was just cash and draft picks. But My favorite thing, though, fun. about the NBA, and I, I truly believe this, is that some of the front office execs actually don't know how the salary cap works and how the league year works, right? Uh, like yeah, Rob Palenka clearly did not know how, nope. that, how, how to nope. get the most amount of assets and cap room for his deal with Anthony Davis. And this is going to be my personal thing. Uh, when that happened to Vladi Divac, um, people raked him across the coals yes. and were like, oh, we, we need to fire him. This is an embarrassment. You know, this, this is his second time screwing up with the Kings. He's an embarrassment. Why are we doing this? Um, where's the people destroying Rob Palenka for this one? He was an agent, too. 
Like you should, th- these are that's the one thing you should be tied into. Vlade Divac at least was a guy who was you know had had a, had a through between him and the financials for his entire career. Polinka, you've been doing this for a decade, dude. Come on. And Magic Johnson just stepped down because he wanted to tweet. And this is the guy that took <laughs> tweet over. Freely, which he is wanted hilarious. to tweet freely things like, "Hey, I really like Dame Lillard." But this is the guy that took over for Magic Johnson, and he doesn't. And he the, honestly, look, Pelicans. This is a model franchise in North America. I mean, it's for sure the top ten, if not the top five professional sports franchises in North America, and your your chief executive, from a personnel standpoint, does not understand the salary cap. You need Think to about qu- that. I want Charlie to quit his job and let's say, what do you do? Oh, he just wants to tweet more. I heard he quit at Fox, too. I heard he quit at Five Night. Yeah, he just wants to tweet more. And by the way, this hour brought to you by Appliance Discounters. They want to sell more. That's why they opened up a seventh location serving the Maplewood, Richmond Heights area, Laclede Station Road, Deer Creek Plaza, and what's unique about this particular location is the art of appliance, which means you can get an appliance in a unique, bold color. That's something they're featuring there at their seventh location. They're all over the area. Metro East is Fairview Heights, downtown St. Louis, Webster Groves, South County, Baldwin, St. Charles. Guarantee there's one near you. Theappliancediscounters.com is where you can get more information. LG, Samsung, Frigidaire, all the biggest names in the appliance world, all under one roof, or actually seven roofs, I guess, right? Stop mm-hmm. by any of those locations, get the award-winning service from Appliance Discounters, great sponsors of this here program. And don't forget, next Wednesday is the DeWitt Talent Show. It's STL Sound Competition. It's America's Got Talent, but it's the St. Louis version. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be the MC, And they're all competing, these young musicians competing for a chance. Are you going to be nice? I am nice. Don't be, I'm not. Don't I'm be, not. I'm not Simon Cowell. Ass. I'm not the judge. I'm merely the host. I'm more like the uh, Nick Cannon of okay. this. Okay, I'm just hosting. The judges are different, but one lucky winner is going to get a recording who day. Hosted it for the first like ten years, I feel like Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, I feel something like, like that. You're, uh, you're a little bit more. I was trying secret. to be more hip. No. Little, yeah, well, don't, yeah. It didn't work. You're more like work. is it Brian Dunkelman? Oh, thanks. The guy who's there. The one yeah, the original. Guy. And then he made like the worst decision ever. Correct. To leave, or maybe he, he said he wanted to tweet more. He wanted to tweet more. I believe that's what it was. Almost like a Kilborn was doing American Idol. I just think it's hilarious. Everybody out there, for Martin in any way, shape, or form to compare himself to Nick Cannon, just think about that. Just think. How Go hip, how hip finish, is that? I'm, I'm trying to find like one thing. You guys might be the same height. You're both males. There's, yeah, that's, that's it, where it ends. Same, same height? The Sheldon. Hey, jackasses. The <laughs> Sheldon.org is where you can get more information. It's next Wednesday the 26th. It's going to be a great event. The concert hall is also a beautiful place. Do a little fundraising there. Come on by and join us for St. Louis Sound competition chuck any follow-up thoughts in the text before we get to our next topic i have a personal text from oh. austin velker wow. former board op of friend of the show the morning after friend of the show he says dude i tried to get you on the select 55 train i drank it while training for my wedding that's what he drank while he was training, training. for his wedding and he says yachty loves it too wow think about that oh that's a follow-up today yachty i know you want to talk about albert a couple of quick Look, ones it's like a fitness beer it's like a gatorade right training for my wedding all right, a lot of t- conversation is about the return of Albert Pujols, obviously, this weekend. And so I thought this would be good. Charlie, we'll listen in. Somebody who had him from day one was Tony LaRussa. Uh, we do the weekly podcast called Tony Talk. You can find the entire interview each week at scoopswithdannymack.com. But the purpose of playing this is not the shameless plug for the podcast, of course, Charlie. Uh, it's the content itself, because I was curious about those early moments, 2001, why he actually made the roster, how that all sort of came together. Uh, here is the Cardinals Hall of Fame manager. First topic, Albert's return to Bush. 
I just think that maybe it's a destiny that it would take this long so that there could be a lot of pent up, you know, emotion and 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 desire to to welcome back uh tied for first with the greatest players the Cardinals have ever had on their as part of their roster. So I think it's going to be uh the St. Louis Cardinal fans at their very best, which is very emotional, very supportive, very appreciative. So uh that's why the first day, the first time I heard that uh, they were coming back, I said, come heck or high water, I'm going to be at the ballpark because i got to be there. And everyone is talking about the ovation. I don't know that Vegas is listed an over-under, but how much do you think Yachty will play into that? If if Yachty doesn't get the pitcher ready and kind of puts it around, you know, around the plate, don't you think Yachty will play a part in that? You know, I, I'm sure you know, they're both really emotional, sensitive, smart, great pros, but I bet you they're really trying to figure out how they're going to handle it. And uh, a, a big pressure is going to be that it's about the game. It's about the Angels and the Cardinals. And it's at one time it by, by Albert, and, you know, there's, I bet you they're struggling with, uh, you know, how much they they uh, they put into it. You know, i give you a real quick analogy. It's not even nearly as big, but, you know, Jim Leland and I are the greatest of friends, and we met in the – 06 World Series, and we had a pact before the series start that we would never talk about our friendship uh, with any any member of the media because we didn't want to be, you know, part of, of the discussion. It was about the players. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I almost wish that, uh, and I don't have any idea what it is, that the Cardinals could figure something out that's, that's really special so that these two guys aren't just uh, – tortured by interrupting the game but it is competition you want to win those games but if you're the and i don't know their plans is it okay to put that aside for a moment whether the standing ovation that's the crowd doing it but is it appropriate even for the cardinals would you think to do some kind of acknowledgement video tribute what i mean as a guy who loves the competition how do you draw that line well they can't do a video tribute during the game that's for sure and stop it but they certainly could do it at some point I, I just don't think there's any 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 answer that fits without having a complication here or there, and I certainly don't think that you know Yadi taking a second. You know, I mean, the fans are gonna are gonna have their moment, so it's gonna be a little bit of an interruption. But how long it goes on, and and what's the extent, and where they hug each other? I mean, I don't know. What, tell me, do they bring everybody there? That's the next teammate on the field to, to shake his hand. You know, that would be too much. It's just. Uh, I think pretty much, you know, it's a game. It isn't that bad, but uh, this is a very, very special moment. I mean, you could just, you know, just pick and choose if, you know, if it's Stan or, or Red. You know, Red did come back as a, as a Brewer, as a Brave. But, you know, if Lou came back after he was there for a while, you know, and Gibby, and, uh, you know, there, you just can't ignore it. But you can't forget the priority, which is a, a nine-inning game between two teams, major league teams trying to win. 11-year run in St. Louis, nine-time All-Star, three-time MVP. The numbers are insane, over 3,000 hits, over 600 home runs, over 2,000 RBIs. But it all begins in the 13th round of the draft in 1999. A lot of people said they didn't. They questioned his age. They weren't sure if he was in shape. Do you remember anything early on when he was drafted by the Cardinals or then in the system he's playing in Peoria? Do you remember first time you even heard people talking about him or discussing him within the organization? Oh, for sure. I remember after the draft, uh, they had talked about that, uh, you know, they, they mentioned the earlier drafts. But once they got down to the workouts, uh, and especially the Instructional League, we actually had an organizational meeting that year where we went down to uh, 
to Jupiter, and we met in the morning. And, they, and typically they'll tell you, hey, this afternoon when you see the game, these are the guys that have really gotten our attention. And one of them, one of the three or four of them was Albert. And uh, they said, boy, this guy, one reason was, you know, he was heavier as a as a, a young high schooler. And, uh, you know, and that kind of took people off. But uh, we saw him that day. And I remember, what, you know, just watching him, the way he stood at the plate. It was just too early. I just remember, he said, boy, he does. He does Harry, uh, Charlie Lau had this great comment. He says, the guy looks hitterish. <laughs> he said, he looks hitterish. And uh, that was the first look at him. Then I saw him again in the uh, Arizona Fall League when he had started to get, you know, understand about getting in shape. And uh, and it was dramatic how much different he looked and how much readier he looked. And the third time I saw him was in spring training of 2001. And, and you know, then it, it goes on from there. And true or false, Mark McGuire said to you, if you don't take this kid north with us, if he doesn't make the team, it's going to be one of the dumbest things you've ever done. Did Mac actually say that? Well, I give it to you. I always feel pressed for time when we do those things, Martin, because we have so much to talk about, and Albert's a great example. But I'll tell you very quickly, we were. it was towards the end of the spring training. It was a day that Al, he had to give Albert a day off, as a matter of fact. And his day off, he played during the ground. We went to Atlanta to a Disney World, and Albert took ground balls for 30 minutes of shortstop. And I'm looking at him thinking, hey, man, you're supposed to be resting. He says, man, I don't need a rest. So he didn't start the game, uh, and he didn't come in at first base. It was supposed to be a whole day off. True story, we were down by a run in the uh, top of the ninth inning there. I pinch hit Albert. McGuire had been taken out after after three at-bats and was already closed, you know, ready to end the game and get on the bus. And Albert hits one over the scoreboard to tie it. And I feel this forearm shiver just jolt me in the back that ultimately knocks me on my feet. And he looked at me. He said, I told you, he's a big leaguer. Put him on the team. What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's a true story. And by then, we had already decided that, you know, if it – Walt Jockey was as Walt was, you know, really a great guy, and he'll also be there Friday night. Great guy, but, you know, he was a, a leader. And he said, hey, the only way he can stay is if you generate enough playing time because he can't be a bench player. So, and certainly, and after about 10 days or two weeks, he, he was a regular. So, that, but that McGuire story was true, and so was that foreign service I can still feel. And the myth – was that Bobby Bonilla getting injured is the only reason he made it. I, probably people like me even said it. Well, Bonilla's injured, so they got to keep the kid. Take us through that scenario. Well, there was a uh, uh, a way that he had that we could put him on the roster, but the whole point of Walt Jockety's you know, you know, uh, qualification was that he get enough at-bats. And uh, one of them that with Bobby as our number one pinch hitter you know, you pick a game in a series and you give them four at-bats. So that would be one time that Albert wouldn't get the at-bats. Uh, so there were other ways that we were trying to figure it and still get Bobby. But we felt like because of Albert's versatility, you know, he could play the outfield, he could play third, you know, and he didn't have to play first because we had Mark. But uh, his versatility, we could play him at different places. And so we said, look, let's let's roll the dice and, Let's get it out there and, uh, and and see how many at-bats we can get him. And then right there at the end, he did pull. Uh, Bobby had the hamstring, so it made the spot. It was already Albert's, but it made, more importantly, it made some extra at-bats available. When did you say to yourself, to Walt, anybody, oh, my gosh, this, this is better than we thought he is? Not that you would say Hall of Famer during a first rookie season, but when did you say this is special? I, I well, 
I saw it in spring training. I, mean, I tell the story all the time when I, pin, I hit him in the fourth spot just to expose him with Javier Vasquez, who was one of the better right-hand pitchers around. And his first time up, he, he threw a, a slider, and Albert chased it. Aha, I said, aha, I got you. You're not ready. The next time, he threw the same slider, and he hit a one-hopper off the right center field wall. But during the season, right away in that Colorado series, he was exactly what he looked like during the, during the spring and after just a few more at bats, when we got home, I mean, you knew there wasn't anything. There wasn't any. He'd already been tested, so there wasn't any pitch that guys could throw him. That high, low, in, out, soft. That that he wasn't making adjustments because he uses the whole field. And you said, "Hey, this is a a high average hitter," which is what he is. That's Martin Kilcoin with the Hall of Famer Tony Larusa, who will be in town this weekend for. Albert Pujols and the homecoming coming back to Bush Stadium. Charlie Marlowe, we got Bob Ramsey sitting in here as we're getting ready for 590 baseball from 1 to 2. Matt Rocchio, but Rammer, you drove in during basically a, a monsoon here. Unbelievable. I was just telling the guys, I'm <laughs> eastbound on Manchester at Lindbergh, right? Kirkwood Road, I guess it is right there. And so you're uphill. Anybody knows that intersection, you're looking uphill. And there was so the volume of rain was so much that it couldn't naturally flow into the gutters. The gutters were overflowing. It was washing straight down the middle of the street with ripples and waves. I wanted to get out and surf. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I'm checking the weather app, though, and look. It's also cool when you have the weather app and they, they have the lightning strikes going on your phone. You know, you can see yeah, the lightning yeah. strikes and the, uh, the rain and all that. So you're seeing. No, it is pretty neat. I've never noticed that before. Uh, it's 100%, 80%, 40% rain, 70%, 100%, 80%, and then it's 30% at 7 p.m. So you got a 7.15 start tonight. And then look, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. It's cloudy, but it's supposed to be 79, 75, 74. So maybe the skies will clear, which would make a lot of sense for Albert coming back. The skies are just part. <laughs> Little sunshine, late late evening sunshine, probably a beautiful sunset. Uh, depending on the percentages uh, and 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 where the breaks in the actual rain come, there was so much rain, I could see a, a, a slight delay in the start of the game, but they'll play. So we were talking about this earlier. If you had to set an over under on length of the ovation for Albert, what would it be? And for a little context, I did. I was just curious because it's the week we all knew Albert was coming that Rangel Ravello, his first major league plate appearance, I timed it, and it was 20 seconds. So this is for Ravello. And it seemed long. And it seemed long, right? And so when you say, like, five minutes is an eternity. I mean, he deserves that, but that's a long time. I think maybe the over-under is, is two and a half minutes, and again, I think Yachty's going to play a role in making it longer somehow. By pushing him out or having some fun, giving him the hug, Yachty's going to play a role tonight. I don't think there's any question. I think that's absolutely accurate. Before I give you my answer, let me give you a quick background. When I was a kid, um, the Cardinals, you know, had traded Cepeda and all the and all this, and so desperate for a power hitter. And they brought in, they traded for and brought in Richie Allen from Philadelphia, who swung a forty ounce bat and was an unbelievable <laughs> power hitter. Everyone was so starved, and I was a little surprised that I was a kid. I was a kid. I was in the bleachers. At Bush Stadium, it felt like a five-minute ovation. It felt like it would never end. 
I've since heard 90 seconds, two minutes, maybe a little over two minutes, but it seemed like forever when he came out and he was he had played in Philadelphia and was used to having batteries and stuff thrown in. So he played <laughs> with a batting helmet in the field. Seriously? Yeah. So he comes out with his batting helmet to third base, and I, I'm in the bleachers. I was early teens. I was 14 years old or whatever. Ironically, guy's now my best friend, Mike Claiborne. We didn't know each other then. He was right there in the bleachers, too. How weird. Anyway, it it was a, an unbelievable, tremendous ovation. So I'm going to set, I'm going to just go by all the different anecdotal timing of that. And let's say it was a minute 45 as the over under on the Dick Allen ovation. I'm going to go, I'll set the over under at two minutes. Okay. I, I think, think it'll go two full, now okay. full minutes. I think, I think I would take the over there. Yeah, maybe. What we need for context, and I brought this up earlier in the week, and I forgot to look, is I'd like to go back and look or hear and see David Freeze's first time back because I think that oh, would be a, a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Coming off, I mean, World Series, hometown hero in 2011. So that would have been – it wouldn't have been Angels, right, because they never came back to play. So I'm guessing it was Pirates for I David Freeze. I think that's Freeze. right. I think that's right. I'll bet you that wasn't a minute. Yeah, I, w- I want to check that out. But it seemed, if you, if I recall, it was awesome, it was spectacular, it was emotional. I don't think that was even a minute. So but Bob, somebody in TV could go clock right. that. I'm gonna have to check that. Bob Ramsey, five ninety baseball coming up one to two with Jim Hewer. Give us a little preview here. Our starting five. We do that every week. Five top five Pujols moments in St. Louis. So we're gonna break that down a little bit and have some fun with that. And um, I, knowing Jim and me, it's too bad Brian Hoffman's on vacation. Because he can get kind of prickly about managerial decisions and things like that. (laughs) And I tweeted last night, the Flaherty thing, okay, that experiment's over now, right? He's not a big league base runner. Would we agree? That's fair. I'm sure that's going to come up. And then how much on the player, how much on the manager? The manager accepted full responsibility. What are other options? What else could he himself into a corner? Those are all the things that... Go with that, too. What a great day to have a baseball show because you could fill the whole hour just based on last night's game. Then, of course, also you got Albert coming back tonight. That's 590 Baseball, 1 to 2, Bob Ramsey and Jim Hewer. 2 to 4, it's the hard line. 4 to 5, Andy Strickland with Hockey Sense. And 5 to 6, the Cam Jansen Show. Remember, if you have bad weather, listen on the app. You can listen crystal clear on the 590 app. This has been the midday grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Charlie Marlowe. Bob Ramsey for Martin Kilcoin and Matt Rocchio. We will talk to you on Monday. 590 Baseball coming up next. Congratulations.